0: Blog Talk Radio So Universe? A little. Okay, well let's do this. Podcast, some undisclosed location in beautiful Fraser Valley. This is Let's Turn of the Valley with Kevin and Karen. I'm your host, Kevin, and of course, with me, I have beautiful Karen. Hello. How are you doing today? Great. Good stuff. So this is the first podcast, it's a new podcast, directly out of the uh, Fraser Valley, like I mentioned, and uh, hopefully we can uh, do a kind of show that can entertain, inform the general public about things that go on in the Valley. Anything you want to add to that?
1: No, sounds good to me.
0: <laughs> Making that very easy. Um, the show is dedicated to promoting secular and humanistic values, skeptical thinking, positive atheism. We also want to shine a light on some of the stories affecting the public that might be not be presented on the mainstream media. We usually divide this into a few segments, and we'll see if we can keep this boat floating, because <laughs> we're not professional, folks. So, how was your week, Karen? (laughs) Uneventful. (laughs) Uneventful? Well, no, we can't say that. This is an event in itself, right here.
1: That's true. This is the highlight of my week right here and now.
0: All right. Excellent. So, let's hear it for the start of the uh, new podcast, Left Turn at the Valley. Yay! Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So uh, this is the uh, end of February, beginning of March 2014. And um, okay, what shall we get into here? Shall we start already into a first segment or? Of course. Okay, so let's start into a first segment. Uh, let's go back in time and see what happened here. Here? Well, you know, what happened in time. <laughs> no, until the uh, year uh, 2014
1: well I have
0: a short list
1: of go for it <laughs> I have a short list of things but most of them really are not relevant to Fraser Valley so. anyway uh, February 26, 1993 the World Trade Center was bombed by Timothy McVeigh I'm sure most of us remember that. 1935, Hitler orders the Luftwaffe to be reformed, which violates the Treaty of... Treaty of
0: Versailles, right? That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> February 27th, 1800, there's a speech at Cooper Union in New York which paved the way for Abraham Lincoln to become president. What year was that? 1800. 1800. That's what it says here. Really? Okay. That doesn't seem right, does it? That doesn't seem right, no. We'll have to check that. Hmm. Uh, February twenty eighth, twenty thirteen, uh, Pope Benedict the sixteenth resigns as pope. Oh, they,
0: what a glorious day that was! Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> leaving the the door open for our current atheist pope to take over. <laughs> well,
0: you know, it shows one thing to the Catholics that if the pope can't quit, so can you.
1: March first, nineteen ninety four. A dark day in history, folks. Justin Bieber was born on that day.
0: Oh, God, heaven help us.
1: However, in 1954, on March 1st, Ron Howard was born. Uh, oh, I love Ron Howard. Happy days are here again. <laughs> we should have a theme music for that one, too. <laughs> don't we have happy days, in 1961, uh, President Kennedy establishes the Peace Corps. I thought that was started in Canada. The Peace I, Corps? I guess I was wrong. I'll
0: we'll have to Isn't talk to that, that- researcher.
1: Because that's why uh, our our awesome Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson is famous. He won the Nobel Peace Prize because he started peacekeeping. He's the father of peacekeeping. So I think there might be a little error there too. Anyway, 1953, Stalin suffers a stroke and collapses to die four days later.
0: Now I remember he- reading about that in history class, and they said uh, they say that when Stalin collapsed and he was at a party, and apparently when he grabbed his chest and he fell to the floor, everybody kind of took a breath and gasped and you know when they saw he wasn't getting back up again they all incredibly apparently had a sigh of relief so well, I thought <laughs> it was <laughs> wow it just shows what kind of a, even in, among his own people he was kind of thought of as a monster
1: hmm. wow uh, 1893 I like this one Nikola Tesla gives the first demonstration of radio in St. Louis Missouri really Interesting.
0: Yes, interesting indeed.
1: Tesla is an underrated h- figure in history. He certainly is. Oh, and <laughs> March 2nd, 1933, King Kong opens in New York, Radio City Music Hall. King Kong. And, and we're going to get a new King Kong soon this year, which I'm very excited to see. So that's what, uh, like, 80 years of King Kong. And here we are at the last end most awesome historical fact, <clears throat> March 2nd, 1962, John Bon Jovi is born. Yay! <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know. Um, Showing a little bit of partiality there. Bro. No, no. I, I like <laughs> John Bon Jovi myself too, but you know, I'm not sure if I'll go all that thrilled about the whole issue. But good for him. Uh, and you know, the, the funny thing about, I like about uh, John Bon Jovi, a uh, little unknown fact, he apparently has a restaurant. I don't know where, but I think it's New York where you uh you actually don't pay for a meal
1: you pay what you can if you can, and if not, you can do dishes or help serve or help cook and pay for that your meal that way now you know
0: I find that incredible and it it's uh it's amazing that there's get more publicity in a place like the United States that are so against uh, socialism and all these kind of yokes. It's pretty cool, okay. So today we have a few things to uh, give you guys. Um, uh, First of all, we have this nice little piece that uh, Karen brought us on the the, uh, freedom of speech, which we'll get into momentarily. We also uh, managed to catch up with Adam Olson. Now, for those of you who don't know who Adam Olson is, he's actually the Green Party leader right now. And of all places, he actually showed up right here in the valley, showed up in Abbotsford and Mission, and we caught up with him at the uh, Mission Springs actually and he was uh, kind enough to give us a uh, 20 minute interview which we uh, pre-recorded and we'll play that for you guys a bit later uh, right now what are we getting into do you want to do that speech. now or do you want to get into the freedom of speech <laughs> let's go with it freedom of speech the freedom of speech alright well here's the Karen and your piece of freedom of speech Mike's all yours.
1: feel free to jump in whenever you want But before we can discuss freedom of speech, I think it's important to define it as it stands in Canada. It's different for each nation, of course, but the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees to all Canadians freedom of conscience and religion, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication, freedom of peaceful assembly, and freedom of association. But there are limits. The Criminal Code of Canada makes it illegal to, quote, promote genocide, publicly incite hatred against people based on their color, race, religion, ethnic origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity, except where the statements are true and are made in good faith, end quote. So for comparison, we can look at the United States. There are few limits of freedom on freedom of speech in the States, and there are no limits on so-called hate speech. There is there is no law to prevent you from inciting hatred against someone so else. In,
0: so in other words, you're saying that in the States, they can say, you know, I hate you because you're such and such, but here in Canada, they can't really do that.
1: Well, in Canada, if you're just saying that, I, I hate you, you are allowed to say that if you are trying to, to make other people hate that person too because you hate them, that's illegal and you can go to jail and, and people have gone to jail for that.
0: So, okay.
1: um, to me, I, I use the analogy of gun control laws. Canada has them and so guns aren't a serious issue and we don't hear about them very often. However, in the States, there are no gun control laws, at least no serious ones. And so there are lots of issues re- around shootings and death, and, and we hear about it in the news all the time. So That's
0: a great analogy. I like that.
1: I really like that. So, um, there have been free speech cases that have been come to trial in the U.S., and in these cases, judges have consistently ruled in favor of freedom to state whatever one likes, even if the statements are unproven and promote hatred of a certain group of people. So, as a result, members of the Westboro Baptist Church picket funerals and you anti-gay putrefaction, and they are allowed to do it. And anti-gay putrefaction. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, uh, and the rest of the nation just has to put up with them. So they have, actually, the Westboro Baptist Church has been brought to trial themselves, members of the church, and uh, and the, church, the court found in favor of Westboro Baptist Church and said that they are free to do that. They're free to picket funerals and and promote hatred of gays. But However, here in
0: Canada, they couldn't do that if they wanted to.
1: The Westboro Baptist Church tried to cross the border and come to Canada to picket a funeral of a soldier who was killed overseas, and they were stopped at the border. They were not allowed to enter the country. So, and I, I believe them, that I believe well, that happened twice. Good for us, really. <laughs> so, so far, so good. People who promote bigotry and hatred who vilify others for being in some way different from themselves, are made to understand that their hatred is not welcome and that as a society in Canada we respect and value everyone. And we stand by that in our court of law. Um, there was a Holocaust denier named Ernst Zandel. He was brought to trial and he actually spent 15 months in prison for promoting hatred of Jews. So the it's not just words, the law is actually enforced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um.
0: That's interesting because these kind of trials, especially when it comes to uh, Holocaust and and that kind of stuff, uh, just to do a quick uh, uh, detour here, always give rise to conspiracy theories. And you know these theories are always, you know, oh no, the government is covering the truth. That's why these people have brought the trial. Uh, no, it's because these people are really infringing upon the law, and that's why they brought the trial. Although in the states, they're given basically free range. Yes Free-range conspiracy theorists Look at that in your, uh, <laughs> your uh, grocery shelves <laughs> or somewhere <laughs> Conspiracy Theory O's It's a brand new cereal <laughs> it's, uh, You think you've eaten something But you've eaten nothing
1: really It'll make you see aliens Oh, wonderful <laughs> Wonderful But having said all of that I really admire <laughs> Doug Christie He died last year But he was a lawyer who defended controversial people Such as Holocaust Denier and Sundell uh, he
0: was devil's advocate literally
1: yes he regardless I mean his detractors say that he held these views himself and so that's why he he felt like he should defend people who promoted hate however I, I don't know whether that's true or not I think the point is that he was willing to defend people that had no friends and still needed to be defended because in our law court of law both sides need to be defended they both need to have their freedom to have their case stated so he he defended these unpopular people. And he has a great quote. It's, he said, freedom of speech is the one thing you have to give to your worst enemies if you wish to keep it for yourself. And I think that's really true. If we feel that we we want to be able to express ourselves freely, then we have to let everyone else express themselves freely, too, even if they are saying things that really offend us. So the The line there is maybe a delicate one between me being able to state what I believe mm-hmm. and me having to be concerned about other people inciting hatred and encouraging people to uh, to hate and promote bigotry. So it's a fine line, but that is the way it stands in Canada right now. Okay. Now,
0: can, can I ask you a quick question? Of course. Would you prefer a system state like that in Canada, or would you prefer a free for all system like they have in the states and that's a question for for our audience as well right i mean how 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 far would you let it go? you know I know there's a lot of people that are uh for lack of a better word libertarians and uh, you know they, they free range for everything you know let the market decide you know things mm-hmm. will settle by itself, but about yourself you you think we're better off the way we are right now
1: well when I started researching this I absolutely thought that I was very pleased that we had these laws and I, believe, I still believe that they are good laws however they can be twisted to, to other people's personal ends too as well so, so that makes it tricky because I, I, I can't remember his name but I did recently read about a Jewish rabbi who said that his freedom of religion was far more important than freedom of speech and There have been cases where, uh, I don't want to single out religious groups, but it seems to happen most within religious groups, is that they choose to, uh, they believe that their freedom of religion is being infringed upon when you simply point out uh, resistance to that or things that are true, and, and you can prove them and for instance that dinosaurs existed or that the earth actually travels around the sun and yet if it's against their religion you are not supposed to be able to express that and they use that this or they use this freedom of speech law as a way to promote their religion above the freedom of speech and hmm. so that is where it gets complicated and honestly i'm not really sure where i stand on the issue
0: it's double edged sword really it is indeed okay interesting Okay,
1: anything else we got going on with the freedom
0: of speech at this point where is there any particular case that uh, the court are facing right now as we know or?
1: um I don't know of anything currently before the courts uh they they have a, a tribunal that um doesn't actually have legal uh, any legal kind of standing standing mm-hmm. and so but but cases that go through that and um then they can, after that, proceed into criminal code if the criminal courts, if if so, is necessary. However, I don't know of any right now. Certainly, there have been others about some Muslim cartoons that were mm. that uh, were trying yes. to be banned. And, uh, Remember that <laughs> one. <laughs> the Human Rights Tribunal actually s- supported the magazine that published them and said, no, these are fine. You cannot ban these. This is freedom of speech. And but there has been a few cases like okay. that
0: it's a uh, the uh, the muslim cartoons are always uh an iffy iffy subject you know a lot of people are going into if you don't do exactly what the the muslim will ask for you're already islamophobic and uh you know i frankly I, if you're doing if you're doing exactly what muslims for example or i should say fundamentalist muslims will say about the prophet Muhammad, um, you're, you're kind of submitting already to, uh, to to the religion. You're basically letting the religion impose itself upon you. Therefore, you know, they're already revoking your freedom of speech. So it's, it's a really iffy subject, and it's certainly something we'll probably dwell into more mm-hmm. deeply in upcoming episodes. I'm sure we will. Okay, excellent. So at this point, shall we...
1: Where am I going here? I believe you have an interview to play. Yes, but before that, I would like to do
0: a nice little segment that I got to use my special effect here. All right. It is another brilliant moment brought to you by religion.
1: You like that? Very impressive. Very impressive. (laughs) There's
0: this wonderful story that just came out. Um... This is—it's uh, of course from our American cousins, as most of them are. This is the story of a pastor, and the, the headline is: "Pastor Warns Black Women: A White Homo May Take Your Man." As incredibly sounding as Ridiculous. this is, yes, this is the—the uh, the article goes by the, it's the pastor of a church in Harlem, um, that's uh, warning both in a video and a marquee outside his church of the homosexual demons unleashed on the black population. Doctor, doctor, I'm always surprised when I see that, James David Manny put the following message on the marquee outside the ATLA, or A-T-L-A-H, Worldwide Missionary Church. <sighs> has to be political too, of course, right? Obama has released the homo demon on the black man. Look up, black woman, a white homo may take your man. <laughs> now, can you believe if you actually saw that as you're driving by. The message summarizes the major talking points of a corresponding video in which Manning gives his reasons for the shortage of black men for black women to marry. The incarceration of 2 million black men and President Obama's release of the homosexual demon on the black community. Um, I, I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, th- this is absolutely amazing. That You know, first of all, they, well, 2014 you talk about homo
1: demons i just like to point out that i'm pretty sure in canada his son would be taken down because he's promoting hatred against a certain group of people on the basis of sexual orientation
0: yes yes and you know of course you know they always repeat the fine line that we always love to hear the it's always obama's fault no matter what you know
1: Which I think is really kind of the point of this. I think this is politically motivated. I think it's meant to encourage people to vote for Republicans. I think it's not really – I have a hard time believing that anyone actually believes this. He's doing this for his own personal motivation, his own own goals that he wants to achieve, whatever they might be. So uh, I I just find people like this completely ridiculous, and I I hope that most, most Americans do too.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's pretty bad because he keeps on going, right? He basically says that uh, this is devastating what Obama is doing to a black man and a black woman and uh, how the white homo is moving into the black neighborhood looking for black men to have converted into homosexuality. <sighs> you know, you can't say it enough. They've proven by now that you can't, you're not converting into homosexuality. It's not like you're waking up one morning and say, hey, you know, I feel gay today you know, maybe I'll just put on my gay attire today and tomorrow I'll be straight and next day after that I'll be bi. You you just don't do that, you know? Well, if you're a a person who believes that, ask yourself this simple question. When did you decide to be straight? You know, I I can't recall the day I decided to be straight. No more I can recall the day I decided to be, okay, I'm just going to be a man today or instead of a woman, right? It it just doesn't work.
1: Yes, I have said that to people who... who, uh, (laughs) <laughs> Didn't believe that you're born with your sexual orientation, I do. I have said that, and you could see them taking that long second thought <laughs>
0: <laughs> and science has more than proven all uh, that uh, all this is is ridiculous so um and the funny thing is he also go keeps on going and saying that um black people should be afraid of white homosexuals because they have American Express cards. Now, you might wonder, what does that mean? Well, he's basically saying here, it's not just that homosexuals are bad for the black man, according to him. He's also saying that because they're white, and they're probably well well off, or better off than the average black person, which I think is totally bullshit, too. Uh, you know, he might, he might tempt a man to leave his wife, because he's gay, and he's got American Express, and he can buy him... I don't know, find shoes or something. It's it's it's, it's so. Uh, <laughs> Where do you a go with like that? A man like this, if
1: he's a leader in his community, which if he's a pastor of his church, he's, he's some sort of leader in his community. He would be so much better spent. His time would be so much better spent, uh, you know, helping kids, encouraging them to stay in school so they can graduate and get a better job. Uh, you know, helping these women. If he sees a lot of of women who are heads of their families, you know, why doesn't he go help them? in some way have a community support, you know, get some kind of food program going on I, and there's so many ways that he could actually be helping people instead of just promoting hatred and promoting stereotypes and inciting fear into his people, of his members of his church Are you saying
0: that this gentleman would be better off to spend time actually fixing problems instead of just blaming someone else?
1: You think so? I think so I don't know I'm not sure you can do that. I mean, it's church. You
0: don't want to spend all that money helping people. What you really want to do is put it in your wallet. Keep it hidden somewhere. And blame the President of the United States for the of the black man. <laughs> this is, this is I DR. agree. Yeah. He doesn't deserve this no, amount of no. airtime. He and, really You know what's scary is, I, you know, I know these things are common in the United States. And if you don't trust me, uh, just watch a, there's a uh, wonderful little website called rightwingwatch.com. Uh, you'll, you'll sit your hair on of fire just watching some of the stories there. Uh, and in Canada, we have a tendency to say, well, you know, this kind of stuff is, uh, is not happening across the border. And I would agree, for the most part. But it is starting to happen, and that, that worries me. It really worries me. But anyway, on to something uh, uh, different, I guess. <laughs> We
1: were talking about Adam Olson. Adam Olson. uh, Adam Olson is the interim leader of the Green Party of BC. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was not elected to that position, but I'm not sure when the party is going to hold their elections for. You know what I was
0: surprised? As uh, we found out about Adam Olson coming our way uh, via a couple of friends, I was surprised I did not notice anything in the local media. You would think a uh, major political party... Coming to Sleepy Abbotsford and <laughs> Sleepy Mission and Maple Ridge or something like that in, in the area. You would think one of them would say, hey, you know what? We have a political party leader in town. Uh, you know, if Adrian Dix showed up here for the NDP, he would make mm. the news. Or even John Cummins. Is he still the conservative? John Cummins? Is he still around? I'm, if he's not, whoever is... Uh, <laughs> 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 Uh, I'm pretty sure he would show up too, so uh, I was surprised to hear nothing about this, but uh, we had a good time with uh, Adam, and um, he was gracious enough to give us uh, an interview, it's about a 20 minute interview, so uh, we asked him a few questions, so let's get into that, shall we?
1: Let's shall. All right, well we're here
0: at the mission springs and we're here sitting at the money table and we're here with Adam Olson leader of the green Party hello Adam good evening and uh first question I guess I got to ask you is uh what is it like to be thrusted forward like that into the public eye you know Olson you, you got this huge responsibility um well
2: I you know what it's, it's not that new to me I spent the last uh, five or six years of my life in a pretty public role I was a elected councillor in the district of central saanich in two thousand and eight um, seems quite a while ago now and then uh... ran in the twenty thirteen provincial election for the bc greens in saanich north and the islands and so um... you know I, I think that it's actually probably more of a burden on my family than it is on me uh... my wife uh... you know she she's played a, a background role and is and is not as comfortable as i am out in front uh, and you know it's been a it's been a bit of a burden on my children but for the most part, you know, I'm I'm pretty public, I'm a community guy, and so it, it hasn't really been uh, that much of a burden on me. I, I, you have to watch your Facebook page, and you have to watch your Twitter account, and you have to, you know, everything that you say is, you have to assume is going to be either taken out of context or used against you at some point in life, so, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a change, but going from municipal government to provincial government, it's... I guess the o- the only thing is that, that that you really you know we're all young, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the only thing that you can that you really worry that I really worry about as a person is that you know you, politicians you get people digging around in your life and it's not like there's a lot hanging around there, but it's just you know you do you do sacrifice a lot in order to get into public life. You sacrifice more than I think you know people uh people would would normally give up. So it's uh, it's an interesting job, nonetheless.
0: It is a blood sport. That's what they say about BC politics, right? It's, yeah, well it's,
2: it's unfortunate. Actually, um, it shouldn't be a sport. It <laughs> should never be termed as a sport. And whenever I hear that, I get I, I get frustrated. Uh, it, it's a job, and the job, you know, in case people have, haven't don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the job is actually to, to to act in the interests of British Columbians. So, you know, all this, the scrutiny of the, the individual and the scrutiny of the party and the scrutiny of all that, uh, that to me is a, is a fabrication. That to me is the politics around it. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is, is that if all 85 MLAs elected to the legislature acted in the way that they should be acting, and that is in the interest of British Columbians, it wouldn't be a sport and it wouldn't be a blood sport. They'd be working together to try to find the best solutions on behalf of all of us. Mm-hmm. So everything else, you know, peering into people's private lives, digging around, trying to find dirt to throw at each other. That's all games that adults are playing in, in a sandbox, really, and, and that's the part of politics that we should be looking forward to getting rid of.
0: That's a good, that's a good point. Um, so you've been visiting uh, the region all day, uh, the Abbotsford Mission region there, and uh, I know you've been, uh, uh, hopefully I, I can get your comments as to what you think of the region, and uh, yeah, let's start with that. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I mean, it's like, I I don't want to minimize it and say it's like any other region, but it is like any other region in British Columbia, uh, dealing with a lot of the same issues that uh, communities across the province are dealing with. I mean, clearly.
0: Okay, I had to pause that there. Um, don't know about you, but I hate my voice on this interview. (laughs) I really hate it. It's awful. And I I keep making this, (laughs) you know, (laughs) oh, I'm goofy. (laughs) I really got to work on my interview skills. All right, let's keep going with this. Not self-conscious, eh? <laughs> oh, just a bit.
2: You have a very, very large river, the, l- the largest rivers in the province, running uh, running through the through these communities, and um, there are clearly issues with with that river that that I've heard throughout uh, my visits with the the various local politicians and community leaders. Uh, erosion is a big one. Uh, uh, interest in you know how to protect against flood potential for floods mm-hmm. um, it seems what's interesting is even though the, the perspective you know around British Columbia is that this is not an area that would necessarily be bracing for climate change but as we talk about uh, floods and the potential for flooding then in fact uh, in a roundabout way we are preparing for climate change here so you know I, I think that one of the things that's really uh, that's really interesting is that um, I, I see communities all across the province are, are armoring themselves uh, for changing climate. Um, erosion on the, on the river is, is just one problem. Uh, we saw what happened in Calgary with the Bow River. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible amount of liability. Uh, there's, a, there's a very important relationship between the provincial, federal and local government levels that need to be strengthened. Uh, each level of government needs to take their responsibility and it, it, the costs of this and the liability, especially the liability, cannot be on the shoulders of the property taxpayers.
0: Okay, I wanted to keep adding to that one. Um, he makes a very good point here. Um, a lot of people, uh, climate change deniers will go and say, you know, it's costing too much. This is too much money. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources. Um, what they fail to understand is the price of not acting on this. Uh, the price is much more, you know. This is where the old adage, you know, a, a uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, Right. And uh, well, I don't know what you think about this. But I think, I think he's on the ball on this. He's right on the ball.
1: Absolutely.
0: Oh, my sound level's all right here. <laughs> um, I was, I was, uh, was kind of shocked by uh, where he was going with this also. Because uh, you think the Green Party, right away you think environment and all that. But he was kind of adamant to kind of distance himself away from that. He didn't want to be all environment. He wanted to talk about other things as well which is not the typical image of the Green Party, you and I may have it, of him anyway, of it.
2: Mm-hmm. And one of the messages that I heard, whether it was uh, a liberal-leaning mayor or a NDP-leaning mayor or whatever, the, the main issue that I heard here was that, you know, the hopes and, and, and that the provincial government can step up and provide some, uh, it can share some of that liability, that was some of that risk and can share in some of the investments that need to be made to protect the communities that have grown up, rightly or wrongly, whether they're in the right place or the wrong place. We have communities and we have people living on the edge of this river, and it's our responsibility to look after them. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a question just for my own personal interest. Uh, probably something that you haven't been thinking about lately, but a few years-
0: See, you sound great there. I sound like this goofball. <laughs> you know, hey, welcome here, hey sounds like I'm a, I belong in a theme park somewhere, but you sound just like yourself.
1: <laughs> I don't know how to what do you have that. to say
0: for yourself? How do you defend that? I um, accuse you,
1: madam. Well, fine, be that way. Let's listen to what Adam wants. To say.
0: <laughs> There's only ten minutes left of this.
1: Years ago, we had the vote for the single transferable vote system. So, what do you think of
0: that? Uh, this question's
2: come up a, a few times. Um, Clearly, I think every vote should count. You know, this is democracy, right? We, every vote that's cast should count. And in the first pass of the post system, that doesn't always happen. Uh, you get 40% of the, of the population electing a, um, a, a candidate or a, a representative, and then uh, you have that representative largely just representing the, the sector or the section of the population that voted for them. That's d- destructive. That being said, though, I, you know, with the Green Party now taking its place in the legislature, we have a seat in the legislature. Um, you know, I de- definitely think that that is something that the Green Party, once, we're in, once we have the, in, are in power, is something that we would do. Clearly, we, we would continue to follow through on our commitment to that. Uh, now that we're in the situation that we're in, though, for us to talk about uh, the system as it is that's being broken away, you know, let's put it this way, we have to work within the system that we have currently. And so it's not going to be something that I'm going to be constantly going out and saying because it will minimize our position and our effectiveness working in the system that we are. So let's just be clear on it. If we get elected or when we get elected to be the government or if we ever hold the balance of power, is it something that we'll put forward to change? I think absolutely it would be something that I would be uh, totally in favor of and whoever the leader of the party is, be encouraging them to do that. Between now and then, though, will it be something that I go out and and really uh, advocate for uh, saying that the system is broken? I think that what is broken is the perspective that a lot of the politicians that get elected into the system, that's what's broken Mm -hmm. because the system works if they actually do their job. And let's go back to the first question that you asked me. uh, And I think that it's about, uh, you, you can see my colleague Andrew Weaver in the legislature, he is free to talk, he's free to answer questions. Rightly or wrong, you know, if I agree with him or not, he's got that freedom because his job first is to the people who elected him and his job then, you know, as for the Greens comes secondary to that. He's a, well
0: that, that was very refreshing, I thought. Um, he's right. Andrew Weaver, from what I've seen so far, um, he has been the lone voice and he's not whipped like the other parties, you know, he's not necessarily following the line, he's following what the constituents want. and Isn't that what we all want in a way?
1: In the past, uh, um, MLAs and MPs who have done that, who have spoken up for their constituents against their party's line, whichever party it is, because it happens in all the parties, other parties, um, they've been punished for that. I remember very strongly, in the the NDP actually uh, Carol James was was uh, really big on punishing her MLAs who actually spoke up for their constituents instead of just following what she told them to do. So, it's an unfortunate thing in politics. It shouldn't be that way. It's gotten much worse in well since Jean Chrétien, Fred, really before that it wasn't didn't really happen. So, and then of course Harper takes it to the extreme. But yeah, uh, I it's, I'm hopeful that can change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, where was I going with all this? well sorry to sideline you yeah you did sideline me that's okay you sideline me all the time anyway we just started this podcast so (laughs) no okay this is what i was about to say um i was about to say is uh unfortunately uh when you do speak up your mind and you belong to a major political party and you decide to do essentially the right thing you know what your constituents want and go maybe against the grain, you're Cast out, and you're cast out, and you run as an independent, and that's like kryptonite in this political system. Uh, you're an independent; your odds of being reelected are slim. There are a few ones on the provincial levels. Uh, Vicky Huntington's the first one that comes to mind, and uh, she was reelected, and she's got a strong platform she's standing on, and stuff that's happening in Delta there. Well, let's keep going with this. He's a very smart guy too.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, we've got a brilliant guy in there. Yeah,
0: excellent, excellent. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that's completely left field, and I'm doing this because a lot of our listeners are what you call uh, secularists, uh, humanists. Um, they don't—they free thinkers. And uh, there's a concern around here, especially when the area is considered the Bible Belt of the region. There's a concern of the there's a resurgence of um, religious influence in politics. You see, uh, you're starting to see uh, creationism creeping across the border, uh, school districts allowing some denominational faith to try to influence students. Where do the Greens stand on something, a separationist church and state like they have in the South? Now when I ask him that question, do you see his face? He was not expecting that question
1: at all. It's not a question that Canadian politicians usually ask. No,
0: no, and, it, it, and it's a shame because it is fair game. And I think it's a question that should come up more.
1: Well, I think the reason it doesn't is because in the past it didn't have to. It wasn't an issue. It's only become an issue recently.
0: And yes, especially uh, with the um, federal conservative, the federal Tories, uh, which are much, much more religiously inclined than other politicians I've seen so far.
1: We can do a whole podcast on that. Oh,
0: topic. I'm sure we will.
1: I'm sure we will. Uh, well, look,
2: I think both have been used as tools uh, to organize community, uh, civilization. Uh, in the in the past, I, I grew up in, in a Christian church, right? So um, clearly it was a tool to organize civilization. Uh, we have uh, over the many centuries, decades and centuries, developed governments that that have taken on that role to organize and to ensure that we treat each other well, that we look after each other, that we're uh, providing uh, the the services that that we as people need in in living in a a civilization in in a city. Um, Clearly, I think that there needs to be a a separation uh, between the two. And, uh, you know, anytime this, this issue comes up in an election, it's often used as a trap. Well, what is my personal view on, on something? And then, uh, and then w- when you share that personal view, then you get attacked because it's, it, you know. And so for me, what I would say is that my personal views are my personal views. Now, does that mean that I would uh, go out and implement my personal views uh, in, in a government situation? No. No, they don't. Uh, people have the right to choose uh, their religion. People have the right to choose where you know what they what they serve and so you know in, in my opinion, and you asked me what the greens position is on it but i 'll just give you my opinion on. I think that um, clearly the job of government is to provide services to citizens, so making you know in local government, making sure they have water <laughs> making sure that there's uh, opportunity, you know that the sewage is taken away, making sure that there 's roads to connect communities with one another and and then can stimulate the economy. None of that has anything to do with religion. So
0: now, of course, he makes that point, and it's a very clear point. I mean, he uh, he said himself he's fairly religious, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Uh, I have no problem with people being religious in any way, or form. Uh, the problem occurs when it gets into government, it gets into power, and it interferes with rational governance. And it's certainly one of the aims of this podcast is to point that out. And...
1: What, the way I like to look at it um, is that if you're a Christian and you think that your religion should be a part of the the government system, so that or,
0: or any other religion, of course. Well,
1: that's my point. If you're a Christian and you think, hey, it's good that the prime minister is a Christian because that means we won't be left behind; we'll be represented. Okay, that's great. Now, suppose we elect a Muslim prime minister. How do you feel now? That is why there should be no religion in government, because it doesn't belong there, because the only way you can be sure that all religions will be equal and free to to worship as they choose is if there is no religion in government.
0: Yeah, so like Adam said, government is there to offer services, uh, water and sewage, not holy water or holy, uh, I mean, sewage. Uh, it's a podcast. I could say it if I want to. I'm just try to spare the audience's ears at first. We'll probably get worse as we get go through time. It's, this is an organic show, people. It's going to evolve too, you know. Hence the whole so sewage.
2: I think the government <laughs> should stick to what they're you know, and politicians just should stick to what they're elected to do, and that is to provide a level of servicing to citizens, and their citizens will then choose you know religions and to and to follow. And have beliefs that they choose. So you agree that, that, that the government
0: sure. should stay secular? Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fair. So. The long-winded question. The <laughs> long-winded answer. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Uh,
2: but, but I. But I. I think what. And, and yes. Okay. So that's the, That's the answer. But I think that it, it needs to be put out clearly to people that governments provide services and and nowhere in that is there religion. In my mind. I mean, what's religious about that?
0: Okay. That's fair. Uh, that's that's perfectly fair. Now I guess. Um, I, sh- I should say, and feel free to plug in the green as much as you want, because in a way, this is what we're doing this for, right? Uh- okay, I had to pause that because I know that sounds bad here. I right? you said, you know, uh, that's what we're doing this for. Uh, now, I'm not trying to promote the greens here, okay? Uh, personally, uh, I'm not going to tell you who I vote for, uh, and it's certainly not necessarily green. But uh, I was trying to point out here is, you know, well, we're giving you this opportunity to this 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 platform where you can send your message. Uh, hopefully, in the future, we'll be able to do that with all the political parties. You know, we'll be able to maybe not get the leader, but if we're in the area and we can manage to get an interview off them, I sure hope we can talk to the other leaders as well. I just want to make sure the audience doesn't think, oh, this is just a green hippie show or something.
1: Um, I think, for me, a big part of freedom of speech is that the media should be free to express Yes, yes. All views, and unfortunately, and this is nothing against reporters and journalists who, who work in Canada, I mean, it's it's not their fault, but all the media o- outlets are owned by just a few, I think, two or three corporations who then very tightly control what is disseminated. And so just to be able to have uh, an outlet for all different um Political groups to be able to express their opinions and in a non-judgmental way, so that that everyone can get hear all the messages, not just the ones that the media wants you yeah. to hear, but all of them. So that's important to me.
0: Yeah, hopefully in the future, like I said, we'll be able to grab all the other political parties and even the minor ones. I wouldn't mind having somebody here if I'm what uh, was well, that party last time that uh, ran uh, the kid there? Um,
1: Excalibur, the Excalibur Party.
0: party. <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> he was, he was brave. Else. He was he brave. He was brave. A young kid and, you know, the whole Excalibur and uh, honor and justice. And, uh, you know, it was actually good for a laugh. But, you know, I had to applaud. <laughs> well, I had to applaud the fact that he had the guts to go up there with all the... Of course, nobody took him seriously and he probably got like three votes. But nonetheless, you know, it, it takes guts to do something like that. And I had to admire that. So. And, if, and
1: it's the fact that more than one or two parties, people that... The fact that in Canada you can create your own party, you can run, you don't have to be rich like you do in the States, that if you have an idea and you really believe and stand behind it, that you can run for office and you will get free and and equal opportunity to express that. That is really important, and that is what's to be commended about him running and and really promoting democracy. All right. Well, let's finish this. There's
0: about five minutes left, and we're taking way too much. What can we expect from the Greens? Assigned... The environmental question, because everybody knows that the Greens are great on the environment, but I think a lot of people wonder how are the Greens on other aspects that people wonder about, the, the job, the economy. Well, are we great on the environment?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I think they, uh, well, a lot of a lot of people would think
2: so. well Okay, so yeah, fine. We are great on the ec- environment, but allowing ourselves to be cast as a single-issue party hasn't al- hasn't given us the best uh, platform to stand on to protect the environment, has it? Yeah. So have we actually done the job that we are looking to do? If, if we're just going to draw the line in the sand and just allow people to continue to cast us as, you know, if I'm going to be typecast as an environmentalist, am I, doing, am I going to be effective in voicing the concerns of the environment? See, the reality is, is that the environment and the economy and, and our society are inextricably linked in every single possible way. And so I will only be effective for our environment when I can convince people that it has a lot to do about the economy and it has a lot to do about the people who power that economy. The economy is a calculation. It's a calculation of what we can produce from what we can gather. Right? So it's the sum of your actions and some of my actions and those actions include taking resources, turning them into things, selling them, trading them, doing all of that. And so the reality is is that in British Columbia we now have, we, we've had a, sort of a two-headed political beast, a, a party that has cast themselves as the economic masterminds. And then uh, a labor party that's that's for the people and for the social services. And then there's been the the lowly greens off in the corner fighting for the environment. And all three of those parties, to a certain extent, have thrived off of being individual, one-issue parties. What the people of British Columbia need is an all-issue party. they need a party that realizes that the stool that our society sits on's got three legs and they're all tied at the top and it's balanced very precarious so is the green and come back to the question central question that I asked until I can convince until we as the Green Party can convince people that you don't have an economy without an environment you don't have a society without an environment and you don't have a society without an economy. You know, the economy is the sum of those parts. Um, we're not doing a very good job for the environment, and I don't think that the current government's done a very good job for the environment. And despite the messaging, I don't think, and, and I don't think they're doing a good job for the economy. And despite what you know you, you hear, I don't think that the uh, the official opposition's done a good job on for the environment. I don't think that they've, and, and a lot of British Columbians had questions about their job, the job that they've done. The, for society or, or uh, for the economy and uh, in, in, in not doing a good job on those two pieces they haven't done a very good job on society either. It's a, it sounds very confusing but the reality the, the answer to your question is no political party is doing a good job for the interests of British Columbia right now. That's what it comes down to. And until we can, until we can understand that, there, that you cannot sacrifice one leg of that stool for the other nobody's doing a good job for us. And it's time for British Columbians, I think, to, to, to rally around this point. And so when people say to me, Adam, you need to come out with a platform that shows us how you're going to be good for the economy, um, to me that's a message that says that we've got to stop letting people um, typecast us. And we've got to start doing a better job of communicating exactly what we are. The reality is is if the British Columbia Greens get elected as the next government in 2017, we're not going to take our economy and we're not going to turn it upside down. It's irresponsible to do that. We're looking at... The goal I think that we should have is to say the economy as it is, as it stands right now, the society that we have as it stands right now, is going to be the economy and the society that we have in the short term. What is our long term goals? How can we diversify the economy that we have over the medium term? in order to get to where we want to be f- in, in the future, many you know, generations in the future. Um, and how can we diversify ourselves away from being a, a, primarily a resource extractor to taking some of those resources and adding value to them? My, my personal business is in wool. You know? I'm not a shepherd. I don't have sheep. But I take, I take sheep's wool and I turn it into products. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, I add value to the farmer who grows the sheep. And I think that we need, we need, in British Columbia, we need to have that kind of mindset. So how do we take those trees and turn them into fantastic products? And on the other side of that, how do we ensure that we have trees for a long time? And, and so you know, we often get caught in the oil and, in the oil and gas thing, right? Um, BC Greens have drawn a line in the sand on pipelines and on oil tankers. The reality is, is that we're gonna continue to use those products unfortunately our whole society is built around those products we're going to continue to use-
0: no isn't he realistic here i mean I, I i hear a lot of people you know greenies and and you know they they're green and you know oh keep it in the ground and and, and, that, and part of me agrees with that but th- this he was extremely genuine there he was you know we're not going to quit oil tomorrow morning you know it needs to slope a gradual descent and I think you know, for somebody who represents the Green Party, that was extremely um, well thought of. It wasn't—it wasn't an extreme left position. You know, it was—it it was a
1: reasonable, just realistic. Yeah. You'd have to have a revolution to try to stop using oil tomorrow, or It just wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen.
0: Okay, well, we only got a minute left of this.
2: Use them, but how do we move away from those mm. as as? Yeah, how do we move away from one of the oldest inventions that we continue, the internal combustion engine and how do we find a different way to power ourselves yep. the reality is in the short term unfortunately we're going to be using it and we're posed with an incredible dilemma right now uh, you know, the, the, the question that's been posed to us it says okay if you don't support pipelines then it's coming by rail man we're in a, we're in a real tough spot in British Columbia right now and, and uh, it's a confusing time for a lot of people
0: well, oh, thank you, Adam. Thanks for your time and uh, best of luck out there on your tour on the uh, green tour of BC. And uh, sure, hope you guys uh, get a lot of votes uh, during the next election. Well, we're going to continue to tour of the province.
2: I'm going to continue to meet with with mayors and councillors and community leaders, and tr- continue to convince people that the Green Party is is more than what you just think it, you know, what what they tell you it is. And um, it's been a rewarding uh, few months, and I you know I look forward to it being a rewarding few years of my life and. See what happens.
0: Thanks for your time, Adam. Thank you. And that was our interview with that was our interview with Adam Wilson.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, we do have a live studio audience here, by the way, folks. In, in case the bunker. You know that. Yeah, yeah uh, in the bunker. That's right. <laughs> what did you think? Like I said, I, I thought he was genuine. He was a uh, surprisingly genuine. I mean I've interviewed people before like um the Zam, Bill Vander and uh I've talked to <laughs> people like uh Candy Ramp uh sorry, I mean Randy Camp, the MP for the uh Pit Meadows mipple Ridge area and uh him I, I I got I liked him right away. I Adam Olsen you mean? Yes, Adam yes, Olson. I liked I him right away. He was he was real Very genuine. he was genuine. You know, he he didn't look like a supermodel. He was a regular Joe. You know, A regular Joe with some ideas, and he seemed to really want to get in there and try to, to help people. I really got a great feeling, and uh, I don't know if he's running. He, uh, he's probably going to be running on the island, right? Uh,
1: well, I imagine in Saanich, that's his uh, north yeah, yeah, I don't know how the ridings there. are divided on the island. but
0: uh, Well, if, if he does run, and if the uh, rest of the candidates of the Green Party are like him, Uh, I will seriously take a look at that, for sure, uh, during the next election.
1: Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, Well, he was a nice guy. It was good evening. Mission Springs is awesome.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. Well, we're taking a long... Is it time for a rant?
1: I think it's time for your rant.
0: Okay. Well, you want to introduce me, or...?
1: Well, um, here's our host, (laughs) (laughs) with a very strong opinion to end the show. As usual.
0: All right. Most of us take for granted the right to express your views publicly when you live in a country where it's written in the law. Myself, I've always tried to defend this right, no matter how extreme or ridiculous the view. Many politicians have used this as a rallying cry for the troops. How many times have you heard... I disagree with you, but I'll defend your right to say it. Ad nauseum, to the point where it's lost all meaning. But written between the lines is the real lesson here. People have rights. Ideas don't. Unfortunately, this seems to have been lost on the masses today, too preoccupied with going to a job they hate, to pay for a car and a house they can't afford, in order to keep up with the Jones. In today's society of fast pace and faster living, the art of conversation has become an endangered species, where most information taught comes in bullet point and buzzword catchphrases. The nasty side effect to that is that the average Joe is uninformed, distracted, and all too easily offended, especially when things aren't going what should be their perceived way. So if this describes you, you might want to stop listening right now. If you're still here, here's my point. I don't have to respect your opinion. I will respect you as a fellow human being and won't stop you from saying, say, saying it, but some ideas and opinions are ridiculous, hateful and simply wrong. Like I said, people have rights, ideas don't. I will challenge your perceptions, values and ideas and invite you to do the same. This should then lead to a discussion and overall progress in the sharing of information. Ask yourself, what would it take for me to change my perception on subject X? If you answer nothing, then I'm sorry you've stopped growing as a human being and are essentially contributing little to our society. If you answered, I don't know, then I invite you to take a left to the valley and sit down with us. You are a person I can learn from. Well, that was our show what do you think so far? Well, I hope our audience likes it. Yes, I hope so too. And like I said, the show will keep growing organically. We will make mistakes and we'll have some gaffes and some bloopers and stuff like that. We're not professionals. And uh, what can we see that's coming up in the next couple of shows? Oh, by the way, we'll start by doing this every second week and uh, seeing how much demand there is for it. Um, and if there is a lot of demand and we can uh, have maybe a little outside help, then we'll probably move it to once a week. Um, We'll probably put this on blog talk radio, and uh, also if you want to make comments, you want to reach us, you can uh, email us at live at valley, that's live, sorry, left at valley, left at valley, at outlook.com. So that's left at, valley at outlook.com. Send us your love mail, your hate mail, whatever mail you want. You have suggestions, ideas, something you want us to talk about, something you want to promote. By all means, send it to us. <coughs> uh, and next show, we're hoping to have Jeff Gruben. Now, Jeff is a uh, member of the Fraser Valley Atheist, Skeptics, and Humanists, and he's been on the forefront of the whole chicken manure debacle that's been happening in Abbotsford. That's an ongoing story. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, he's making a bit of a name for himself. And uh, being an atheist, I'm hoping he's going to come here and talk to us about his group and talk to us about the entire situation. And in a couple of shows as well, we're going to do a spotlight on uh, the devil, the demon, the devil himself, Satan. And maybe we'll even have him as a guest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so i guess uh this is it for now um so anything you want to add to that karen nope. no no <laughs> well you know i guess until next time then folks